Hi everyone, this is Trish Kendall, your host for the Choose and Become interview series. I made five critical choices on my journey to enduring success. Actually, on my journey from the pit of despair to the peak of success. I picked up the phone, which was making a first choice. I created and committed to a two-way agreement. I built trust in myself and then eventually inspired the trust of others. I created belonging. And finally, finally, I embrace my boundless capacity to give love and to receive love. So I started this interview series because I love that I get to talk with people that I admire, people who I admire, like my guest today, who I'm going to introduce here in one second, because I want to get their lessons and insights and advice and wisdom and, and learn more about their journeys to enduring success. And so in this interview series, my guests share that with us. So today I'm super excited to have with us Jerry Don Martell. So Jerry, now everybody can see Jerry. Hi. <laughs> so Jerry, before, before we get going, so we'll back up a little bit. Jerry and I worked together and, and many people in my community know my good friend and business partner, Jenny Geis. So Jenny, Jerry, and I all worked together at Jenny Craig and that for me was probably about four years ago when I left. And one of the things that I remember so vividly, Jerry, is first off, you're a leader of leaders. And I always observed how you inspire and empower leaders to then inspire and empower their leaders. Right. To then finally get to the to the end consumer and and you know, and, and, and that experience, especially in a retail environment, especially in a direct to consumer environment and how you did that so incredibly well. So I'm going to stop there for a second. And will you just share with my community and audience a little bit more about Jerry, Jerry Dawn? Absolutely. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having me, first of all. Um, yeah, we definitely met each other at Jenny Craig. And actually, I was with Jenny Craig for 32 years. Um, so a little bit of a story there. Um, it wasn't my first, believe it or not, it wasn't my first job in management. I actually started in the bookstore industry and then moved into the grocery store industry and through frankly, struggling with my weight in opening a local grocery stores when I went into Jenny Craig, um, started working there. And as I already knew from a client, I knew the transformation that individuals mm. go through when they start to really identify their confidence, identify their obstacles first, and then gain the confidence of getting through those obstacles. And so started working for Johnny Craig, obviously, um, as you called out, you know, moved up the ladder a bit here and there. Um, but what I always brought myself back to in those 32 years was even if it was a rough day with things that we had to do or what was happening with the business, I knew that at the end of the day, it was always about inspiring and empowering people to be the best version of themselves. And that always helped me sleep at night. You know what I mean? So, yes. um, so on that note, sadly, um, what's interesting is Jenny Craig was owned by a private equity firm more recently. Mm -hmm. And as you, as I know, you know, um, sadly filed for bankruptcy in May. So many of us that had been with the company well over 30 years kind of found ourselves suddenly without a job at all and kind of back into the, you know, looking industry. Yeah. So that being said. After 32 years. After 32 years. Right. So that being said, when you asked me to be a guest, I think my first words to you were, Trish, I'm not employed. I'm like, I want Jerry Dunn. I want Jerry Dunn. <laughs> so I know that's going to lead to kind of the definition yeah. of enduring success. But oh. again, it's just the timing of this is extremely interesting. And it's been quite a uh, revelation for me at the same time. So thank you. Well, Jerry Dunn, the thing, so you have always, you and a few of the other leaders have always stayed a little bit in my head and my heart because there's a very wow. endearing my time at Jenny Craig was very short compared to everyone else. I was there seven years, but there was very endearing relationships. Right. But the thing that struck me and that made me go, oh my gosh, we need to get Jerry Don right now is when the bankruptcy happened, 
you immediately got the forces together, the leaders, the frontline workers, consultants, whomever it was, and you started to create virtually, but a space for people to come together. Yeah. And I noticed that right away. And I mean, that's what made me go, wow, even in a time of trial for you. Right, right. You're right. giving back to others. Yeah. And, you know, I know we're going to talk about it, but mm -hmm. that being said, so that I don't sound like I'm, um, what am I trying to say? Um, too crazy, like all about everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I am. But it also gives back to me, right? Oh, so yes. as much as I care about them and as much as it was important for me as their leader to mm -hmm. maintain that relationship and again, continue to empower and inspire and give them a space to connect, that also allowed me to feel better about where I was and what I was doing and who I am, yeah. right? So, so yeah. Awesome. Okay. Let's roll. Let's keep All rolling. Right. All right. By all definition, you are an incredibly successful leader. I want to know what enduring success means to you, creating enduring success. Again, I think the timing of you asking me to do this is very interesting because in thinking about that for me, I think for me, I've always at my core felt like enduring success is about embracing, wanting owning where you are right now and what you have. And so at the end of the day, I think for all of us, you know, when you really pare it down to the most basic and most important, it's about friends, family, it's about yeah. health. Um, and again, those connections. So I think for me, it's always, as you pointed out, then about creating those meaningful connections that can really help people along their way. So yeah. For me, that's what enduring success yeah. is, is really recognizing what I do have, even in those difficult times and really embracing that. And you exude that. Thank you. So the first critical choice that I made on my journey was to pick up the phone when my sister called. And at that point, I was at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the pit. Right. Um, and... I chose to answer the phone, which really meant I chose to change my life. Yeah. I think success begins with making first choices, whether they're practical or profound. Right. Will you share with us one of or a first choice that you made in your life where, where you're like, that impacted my journey to enduring success? Yeah, I think, again, I think you're going to find with me today, I'm going to do kind of a toggle between personal do and it. professional, Love right? It. Right. Yes. So I think for me, when I think personally, which is my biggest piece of enduring success, I think, um, number one, it was again about family and communication when they were, when my kids were very young and they're not so young anymore. But it was about being very open and transparent and my connection and communication with them to give them a space to always be very open and transparent with my husband and myself. So mm -hmm. I think that was the first choice I made there. How it, old were your kids when you consciously made that choice? I swear, believe it or not, I think probably when I first got pregnant, I was thinking of those I mean, types of things. However, wow. to your point... Mm -hmm. Of course, there's always a defining moment, right? Yeah, yeah. And I can remember a time where, and not to call out my husband, but a time where the kids were little, you know, we were scrambling to get things done on our one day off before we went back to work. And I remember, you know, my, there were two different episodes, but one time my husband saying, when are the kids going to be old enough that we can come home on a Friday night from work and say, you are going to watch your brother and your mom and I are going out to dinner. And I remember in that moment, I literally said to him, and when that day comes, we will be sad that they don't need us anymore, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then there was also a time when, frankly, my oldest at one point wanted to do something on, again, that one weekend day that we had as a family. And I would continually every weekend say, we have so much to do once we get this done, this done, this done. And God love him. I mean, he was probably four or five years old. Oh. 
but he's, but he basically said, you always say that. And we never get that stuff done. And I immediately was like, oh my God, time out. He's so right. Right. So, so I think there were those moments at the same time, I think tying into professional, um, I also, as a young adult, remember out loud telling myself, even though it can be very uncomfortable and create anxiety, you need to take risks in your life. And I committed to myself, I was going to take risks. So I think those were kind of the personal choice was the transparency and communication. And then I think also the personal identification of I'm going to take risks really helped me professionally as well. And many times I think people know that there's a first choice that they should make. I mean, your career, at least for 32 years, your career has right. been inspiring and empowering individuals to make a first choice around their health or wellness or well-being. Yes, correct. Why are why is it so hard to make a first choice? I think for most people, regardless of what that first choice is about, my experience has been it's fear of failure. So it's um you know, if I make that choice or I make that commitment and then I don't follow through on it, um, how am I going to view myself? Right. So I personally think that's a lot of times why people are really hesitating. Yeah. They want to make sure that they're all in before they take that step and either get rejected or fail or, you know, deal with another obstacle. So that's just my, mm -hmm. my take on it. Oh my gosh. And, and even me, I, I say even me all the time. I think, <laughs> I think, Oh, I know that this is a first choice that I need to make in order to, yes. and then sometimes I just feel like I'm in a rut or I, I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to commit to the new formed habit, whatever exactly. it is. Exactly. But we know, yes. even if it's maybe even sometimes because it's a little choice, yeah. make that little choice, commit to it. And then, you know, yes. it can build up over time. Yes. Yeah, agree. Totally agree. The second critical choice that I made was to commit to a two-way agreement. And I, Jerry Don, there's, I literally think about these five choices and I think about not only you with your leaders, yeah. you personally, I think about you and everything you did to impact the, the person, the person that you have served in transforming their lives and the two-way agreement with that customer, that client, that human right. being. So anyways, I went off on a little bit of a tangent no, there. You're, you're right. It's everywhere. It, it's, it's, everywhere. it's the most action. Yes. Yes. And what I experienced is, is that when I, when I chose to commit to a two-way agreement with my sister and her husband, they took me in, you know, and, and it was, you know, basically a near contractual agreement, you know, as I was recovering and getting clean right. from drugs and all that stuff. But what I realized is the power in committing that at first my actions started from, I have to do this, but mm -hmm. then through the commitment, it transformed to, I actually want to do these things. Yes. Yes. So tell us more just about your perspective with two-way agreements. And then if there's one that you would share with us that you've entered into what you gave and what you got. Yeah, I think, again, you're exactly right. That was at the core of Jenny Craig with our customers, our clients was, you know, really making that two-way agreement with them. I think, when, again, when I think personal, yeah. um, one of the examples I think of is my firstborn, my oldest son, when he, you know, started his foray at the time into high school. And again, back to my transparency, I remember having a very open conversation with him about alcohol and about mm, yes. the parties he was probably going to experience and the temptations. And a funny story about my oldest is- Will you tell me his name? Tell me his, his name. His name is Austin. Austin. Okay. And I can tell you, he was, and maintained this, he was defiant that there was no way he was ever going to touch alcohol until he turned 21. And by the way, he followed through on that. Mm, but wow. again- in my objective and my choice to be very open and transparent, yeah. um, I remember saying to him, I understand and I love that you're committed to that, but the reality is things may happen and you know, you may make a mistake, so to speak, right? And my main objective of this two-way agreement, as is very common now, I think, in high schools, and back then it wasn't as much, was 
my concern about him either driving while intoxicated and either killing himself or somebody else. And so we had a very open conversation about that. And it was a commitment that we made. And the commitment was that if he found himself in that situation, you know, he would contact me with at that moment, no repercussions, right? It's about me making sure he's in a safe place. Um, so I think on a, in general, in our family, I think we've maintained that for each of us. Um, you know, you always want to protect the people that you love, mm-hmm. but we try really hard. It's, it's, I only have the two boys. I've got Blake and Austin. Okay. But the four of us try really hard to always be very open with each other about anything that we're going through so that we can support each other through it. So I think that two-way agreement and transparency and communication has been like extraordinary. Oh my gosh. And it um, goes back to your first choice on communicating. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's like just, a sign. It's like a Seinfeld episode. No, it, is. it just like keeps going. So, right. Right. And of course, as you just stated for work, you know, the first thing mm-hmm. that comes to my mind is the client. Right. But when I, you know, was really focused on the leadership piece and any of my leaders can tell you this, um, I really do consider myself to be a servant leader. And I always went into a new team with my job and my role is to make sure that I'm giving you the tools and the skills that you need to be successful. So I need you to be open, honest, and transparent with me on what it is that you need. On the other side of that, I commit to you that I'm going to be open, honest, and transparent with you on things that I see that, you know, could use improvement or that are opportunities. And the expectation was that they're utilizing the tools and the skills we're working on, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm giving you what you're telling me you need, but I can't go into your location and see that you're not applying the things that I was, you know, recommending or that we agreed upon that you were going to apply. So... And it always were. I never even had to yeah. go there because it, it, it was just known that we were going to trust each other to follow through on the other side of the agreement. And you know that at the end of the day, it's about at the end of the day, it's about success, right? Yeah. And you know, I want to be successful. They want to be successful. We want the business to be successful. So, yeah. It's so I I I love the story, the accountability, the the mute, you know, uh, an agreement that is mutually beneficial for all to be successful. You communicate, follow through and all right. So here's something and and you can say, no, is there a two-way agreement in that you think you'd want, that you want to commit to in your life now? Is there anything new? I think honestly, believe it or not, even though we keep talking about it again, I lost my job in May um, and it's not like I wasn't struggling before that, but frankly, my weight right now, I was, you know, talking to my husband about it over the weekend. He's struggling as well. Um, And again, I know that that's something that with my coach, I always had was that Mm. two, that two way agreement. So that's something that, you know, this really got me thinking about that I need to put into play. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you. Of course. I'm going to take us to the third choice. Okay. Uh, the third critical choice I made was to build trust. And first off, I didn't trust myself at all. I, I mean, there was right. no idea of what trusting myself and my actions meant. So I couldn't actually figure out how to inspire the trust of anyone else until I first figured out how to build trust in myself. Right. For me, the journey I went on around building trust is... I learned that if I did the little things great, great things can happen. Right. So that I still keep with me to this day. I want to dive into trust and I want to dive into trust both from the aspect of you building trust within yourself uh-huh. and then inspiring the trust of others. And I might like switch and I'd like to hear how people inspire your trust. Okay. But let's let's start with you building trust in yourself. Has there been a time that you've needed to build more trust in yourself? It's so interesting because those who know me well, um, which is quite a few people, mm-hmm. actually know that I'm I'm actually a ball of anxiety. And there's a million little things every day that I don't trust about myself yet um, when it comes to big life decisions and big life choices, nine times out of 10, I've got a pretty strong internal compass for myself. Doesn't mean it's the decision for other people, 
But when things have happened in my life, typically I just kind of trust myself to guide me to where I need to go. So on that note, um, I can tell you on a personal level, there was one really big time that I wasn't completely confident that my internal compass was in the right direction. And I think this will get to the trust of others as well. Yeah. Um, I can't share too many details because I want to protect the privacy. Um, but I had a very close um, individual of mine, a loved one, who went through a period of time where they were struggling mentally. And I remember at the time um, when things kind of came to a head, so to speak, I was traveling. So I was actually um, on a flight that had been diverted and had landed. And I knew this person was struggling when I took off. They knew I was in flight, but this flight got diverted. And so I'm still sitting on the plane because we're trying to, you know, captain's trying to figure out where we're going. And so of course I call this person. And in that moment, this person made it very clear that the situation was dire. And I distinctly remember, you know, it was pretty upset and saying, look, let me get off this plane and I'm going to catch another plane and come back. Um, And I will never forget this person making it very clear. Please don't do that. I, the last thing I want to do is interrupt, you know, what's, what's going on with you. I please trust that I will be, I will be okay until you get back. Hmm. And in that, and I, I, I listened and I followed through. And I can tell you that evening in talking to my husband, um, it was it was pretty awful because I kept questioning, you know, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? And even some of my work colleagues were in supporting me, completely supporting me, but were saying, oh, my gosh, this is more important than work. You should be, you know, back home. And it wasn't that I thought that work was more important. It was that I at that moment, I knew that I was the person the one person this person was going to. And what I kept thinking is if I breach the trust of this individual and I show up on their doorstep, are they going to view it as I, I told you that I would be okay until you got back and yet you didn't believe me. So now you're, I'm not, you're not going to be somebody that I'm going to contact the next time I'm in that state. Right? Mm-hmm. So I really, I had to rely on my trust of that person and show them that I trusted them in order to kind of stay the course. And as it turned out, made the right decision, if there is such a thing as a right decision. Um, But that's the time I think of that as far as a very big life decision, where for me, it wasn't as easy as, well, for me, I can feel it. This is the way I need to go. I was very like, oh, you know, am I I doing the right thing here for this person? And you chose to not risk breaching their trust in you. Yes. Yes. And putting so much of your trust in that that is the right decision for this situation. It's it's a pretty astounding story. And I thank you for sharing it with me. Yeah, of course. With us. Of course. course. Um, How do people inspire your trust? That's interesting. I think, I think always communication. I think again, and go more, go more about communication, the type of communication, I think transparent, open and honest communication. Right. And that's how I've always functioned again, as an individual, again, back to personal, um, how many times I, you know, I recall, recount with my children who again are grownups now the stories of oh remember when you were two and I did this and I apologized and said I wasn't a good mommy this morning right um but as a leader same thing I make mistakes I make mistakes often all of us as individuals make mistakes right and I think it's it's making sure that you're creating an environment for individuals to know that again in order for me to help them develop an area of opportunity they need to trust that they can come to me and be very open and honest about their areas of opportunity without, again, repercussion, without judgment. Um, so we can navigate it together. So I think, again, transparent yeah. communication. Yeah. One last question, and I will move us to the fourth <laughs> critical choice. One okay. more thing in, in the trust category. Is there a little thing 
that you do consistently that either has helped you build trust or just overall helps your enduring success? Is there a little thing that you do great consistently? I don't know if it has to do with trust. And this is some yeah. of my anxiety too. So this is like a therapy session for a minute. Love but, it. <laughs> but one of the things that I, that I do, and it's very over the top, but I try to put dates in my calendar. So whether it be, you know, someone's birthday, obviously, or anniversary, or whether it be, you know, a trauma that somebody experienced, a loss mm -hmm. that they had in their family, I'll tend to put things like that in my calendar so that when that day comes around, I can send that person two hearts, or I can just simply take a moment to say, I'm thinking about you, I'm here. Um, and so, and it, and again, you know, for some people, they want that and some people don't, especially if it comes to like loss, right? Some people mm -hmm. don't want to be reminded. Right. And so, um, and I wasn't going to share this, but on that note, as a matter mm -hmm. of fact, there's someone I worked with at Jenny Craig, I'm not going to say her name, yeah. but again, we're, we're very good friends. We've known each other forever. And just this year, um, maybe a month and a half or so ago, um, I texted her, the, you know, little two hearts. Um, and it was the anniversary of her father's passing. Mm -hmm. And what I loved is she texted me back and basically said, Hey, you know how much I love you. You're amazing. You know, you are so go out of your way to think about others. But she basically said, please don't be offended. But I sometimes don't even realize it's the day. And when you reach yes. out, but what I love, Trish, is that she was comfortable telling me that. Yes. <laughs> I, yes. And I try to tell my friends, I'm like, I don't know how to navigate this for you. I want to be the person that you need me to be. But I know loss is different for everybody. So, you know, help me help you, right? If it's too much, tell yeah. me. If it's not enough, tell me. If it's, you know, what does it need to look like for you? So I actually loved that. You know, and I, and it was just yes. funny because I said, removing it from my calendar now and for telling me done, right? Because it's not about me, it's trust. about that person. Yes. 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 It also very much goes towards your inner compass, which is to connect at a human level with those that are around you. Those are my words. Those aren't your words, but you're right. like a connector from an, you know, whether that's emotional or, you know, whatever it is, like you're so in tuned to the individual that you are interacting with. And I think that that is a gift. It's a skill. Uh, and it would be amazing if more people had it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is going to take us straight to the fourth critical choice. Okay. which was for me to create my community, create yes. my own sense of belonging. And I was in my thirties by the time I realized I knew I didn't belong any, you know, anywhere. I, I never really had a sense of belonging, but it was in my early thirties that I realized I wanted to belong. Right. Right. And as a little girl, I wouldn't have been able to, um, to put the word belong, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to articulate that I, right. th that I did not belong, but as an adult, I, I put that word around it. So I created my own sense of belonging and I did that through eventually taking the leap of becoming friends with five incredible women. And what I learned is that belonging really requires reciprocity. It requires mm -hmm. action. Mm -hmm. And that was really hard because I was like, what? Like I got to share stuff. <laughs> I got to right. share life experiences right. or anyways, all that being said, uh, I want to dive into this with you. Yeah. Has there been a time? Will you share a time in which perhaps you didn't feel like you belonged mm -hmm. and what does that feel like? So, yeah, again, it's it's crazy with me. You might have to dig deep. Well, it's crazy with me because, again, if I'm being very transparent and honest, yeah. which I keep talking about, there's a lot of times I think that mm -hmm. I, believe it or not, I think there's a lot of times that I feel like I don't belong. And I think just as a general, what I tend to do is try to just lean into it and throw myself in. And then eventually I walk out of it going, that wasn't so bad, right? 
Yes. But if, if I were to pick a specific example that, that stands out to me, um, years ago, um, I think it was back in 2004, I actually joined a group of guys for um, a little community rock band, right? And I can tell Hold you- on, this cannot be a throwaway story. <laughs> we are going to have to die well, a little tell bit. You. I can tell you, here you go, confession time. Yes. I was the girl in college. Now, this was college in the 80s, right? Where, you know, there would be an ad for, you know, band auditions tonight. And they had the little tab that you would, every time I would take the little tab and I would go back to my dorm and I would always throw the tab away because I thought I'm not cool enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not talented enough. It's all those inner, like negative. All those not enough. Right? So here I was, I mean, at the time, again, I just gave the date. So here I was basically in my 40s. And I'm like, you know what? I told myself when I was a young adult, I would never not take a risk. This is crazy. You're in your 40s. Just do it. And it was a group of guys where I was friends with one of the guy's um, wives. So I was familiar with who he was. So bottom line, um, in this, I joined this band and I truly, when I got into it was, and I would say to them, again, I'm not cool enough. I'm not edgy enough. I'm not, you know, we would do a gig and they were like, what are you going to wear? And I'm like, uh, capris? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I think that the action or what I ended up doing with oh. them is back to that trust. A, I trusted them. Um, and they were all very supportive of my insecurities, by the way. Um, but I also just got myself to just have fun and enjoy my time with them, connecting with them, um, you know, connecting with audiences when we did play. Um, and so that's kind of how I got myself to belong. And it really had nothing to do with any of the aesthetic pieces of it. It all had to do with what we were creating together and the relationships we had together and the fun that we had together. So that's just awesome. Yeah. No, I love did them. You, They're a great group. Did of you sing, play an instrument? Yeah, I, I sang, um, mostly lead, um, didn't wow. do as well, didn't do as well with backup. That was a risky for me, but did some backup and then I played keyboards. Yeah. So it's yeah. an awesome story. <laughs> it's an awesome story. And you created a new community. Oh my God. They became truly like such a part of my family. And, and to this day, I mean, I just love them. Yeah. It's a great group. So how about this? I, I, I want this very pointed question. I, I want to hear your response. What does it feel like to belong? What does it feel like to belong? Yeah. It, I think when you feel, when you feel and have confidence that you belong, the, the biggest thing to me is again, it's freeing. It, mm. it allows you to be yourself. Um, it allows you to be, again, your true self, um, to be vulnerable, right? To, yeah. um, again, be open and honest with where you are. And again, to share with others and allow them in. So, yeah, I think yes. it, means, it means a lot. And so an, an interesting thing here that just popped in my mind is, is um, or I've thought about this, I've ruminated over this, the, <laughs> the idea of community. I think community and belonging go hand in hand. Yeah. But when I think about community, I have my little pockets of communities. I have my right. work community. I have my neighbor community. Yes. I have my church community, yep. you know, whatever it might be. And yes. very, very rarely do those communities intersect. Exactly. Yes. Correct. Right. Yeah. Yet, yet when they do, when I'm intentional, like I think this is intersecting our communities. Agreed. We are going to intersect yes. our communities with this. And I feel like that's so powerful. You know, but do you have you sensed that in your yes. world about your separate communities? Absolutely. It's something, especially again with the 32 years at Jenny Craig and yeah. me traveling. Um you know, those communities that I interacted with when I would fly somewhere for work were never really going to be a part of my community here where I live. Yeah, right? right. So definitely had that. But yeah, I've got, I had my band community and their yeah. neighbors because they were kind of a neighborhood band that got together. Oh, that's great, right. So I became part of the community with their neighbors. 
Um, I have my Jenny Craig community that frankly goes back years. I mean, tonight, example tonight, um, a, a girl that means the world to me that worked for me years ago at Jenny Craig, and then even forayed into owning her own business outside of weight loss oh, years wow. ago. I've known her since she was 17 years old. Um, she and I are going out together tonight, right? So she awesome. was a Jenny Craiger years ago, but left years ago. Hmm. And we've maintained the relationship. I have other friends that same thing. They call it JC for life. So we've maintained relationships over the years. Yeah. So I've got that community. And again, because of the length of time and the geography, sometimes those intersect, but sometimes there's really not opportunity for them. Yeah. To, right? Even though it's Jenny Craig, somewhere from Jenny Craig 23 years ago, somewhere from Jenny Craig for the sure. past five years, right? Right. Um, and then, of course, my family. And then, of course, you know, neighbors. So I think, yeah, you delve into all these different communities. And I think when you do have a chance to have them intersect, it's just that much more beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. it's hard. It's difficult. It's not, it's not in your face opportunities to intersect them, but yes. I am with you and I'm, I am trying to become more deliberate about how I do that in small ways. That's and awesome. so thank you for this, because this is a way for me to do that too. When I think about yeah. us intersecting, we know each other, but what about the people that don't know you or it, like the whole thing? What about my people that don't know you? Exactly. Yes. exactly. yes. And they get to like hear this and oh my gosh, oh my gosh, last thing on this and I'm going to move us forward. Jenny guys, whom we love so yes. much, so much. Yes. Um, she, uh, there's a quote from C.S. Lewis that she told me about and now I have it written up, but um, an excerpt of the quote is friendship. Friendship occurs at the moment where you say, oh, you too? I thought I was the only one. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that. And so yeah. the more I think people can interact with each other that don't normally interact with each other, yeah. there's an opportunity to, to be like, oh, you too? I thought I was the only one. It's interesting too that we're talking about this, Trish, and I know it was the plan, but... I, um, three weeks ago, attended my husband's class reunion. And then a few weeks ago on the weekend, attended my class reunion. It was my 40th class reunion. And it was interesting that, and this is not unusual, but that the people that I hung out with at that particular class reunion, really only one or two of them were the ones that I hung out with in high school. Mm -hmm. And so when I was working, you know, meeting with this new group, I was, things were, you know, coming to light, you know, someone's talking about, you know, yeah, I was there for my freshman year, but then wasn't for my sophomore, came back in my junior. I'm like, what? And my first thought was, oh my God, that must've been horrible for you. I don't recall that. But the point is since the class reunion, it had three or four of them reach out to me um, and say, oh my gosh, we're going to have a get together for homecoming, blah, blah, blah. Can you be in town? And so here's again, a group of people that I went to school yeah. with that we didn't hang out at all. And yet now that we're older and we've reconnected, we've found a lot of similarities and a lot of things that we enjoyed about each other. So it's beautiful. You know, different community. I love it. Yeah. I'm going to take us to the fifth critical choice. Yeah. I've I would keep our conversation going, but I promised you that, that I would, I would get you out at a certain time. So the fifth critical choice I made, how about this? The fifth critical choice that I make, because it's a very present day ongoing thing is to embrace my boundless capacity to give love, the verb to give love and my boundless capacity to receive the love that others want to give me. Right. And for, for me, those four choices that we just went through, I took us through that chronologically and, and mm -hmm. linear because that was my journey because I had to go through those four in order to get to the fifth. Right. Right. But I believe like if people just start with the fifth, that yeah. that truly is where enduring success begins to be created and, and, and flourish. So I want to dive into this with you a little bit. Yeah. And when I, when I say giving love, I, I don't mean love the emotion. I do mean love the action, 
love the verb. And that might manifest in different ways for different people, which is part of what I want to get your perspective on. So first off, when, when I say giving all your love to you, what do you think about that? How do you react to that? And is there an example where you would say, here's a time in which I purposely and deliberately did not withhold. I gave all of my love. I think you do it all the time. I was just, I was just going to say on the one hand. Yeah. I think when I think of that question, it feels a bit overwhelming, right? Like, oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, you know, can I think of a time on the other hand, to your point, I do think that when you really think about it, um, I think for me, it's something I do do a lot. Um, and this isn't necessarily, again, you're saying love is an action. So it's not necessarily, um, what people might think of as love. Right. But one of the things I do, and I think of it as love. So put it that way. That's the JD Mm -hmm. definition of love Mm -hmm. is I am a firm believer that every single person has something awful that they're dealing with. And that may sound very negative and very jaded, but I mean it to be very, frankly, true. And I feel like people on this earth have the ability to make other people's loads a little lighter or to find a way to make their day a little brighter, right? So I'm going to give you a silly example. I'm going to give you a silly example. And again, people wouldn't think of it as giving love, but it's something that's always been very important to me. And some of my Jenny friends have experienced me doing this. My family has experienced me doing this and it makes them crazy. (laughs) So let's say, let's say my family and I were out at a restaurant for dinner and we're talking and I see a woman over at a table and I love her blouse and I see another woman and maybe I love her shoes or I love her hair. It could be as crazy as I was on a Jenny conference one time and it was, it was the concierge's cheekbones, right? But I make it a point to tell them. I make it a point to tell that person. And, and it can be uncomfortable sometimes. And again, I'm like, oh, probably shouldn't have done that. That person thinks I'm a weirdo. And so that's what, and I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I don't care, but I'm never going to not take that opportunity to just say, hey, I couldn't help but notice this. Um, and even more meaningful if I've been, again, in an interaction with a group of people and somebody has said something that's really been impactful or meaningful, and maybe I don't know them, but even you know, better is to be able to go up to them and go, oh my God, you know, what you said really resonated with me. I just, I think those simple everyday actions I can't tell you how many women I've either complimented their cheekbones, their eyebrows, their their laugh, their laugh, right? But that will literally stop and go, oh my God, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be a weirdo, but literally my family's over there going, oh my God, she's doing it. Oh my God, you're doing Jerry Tone again. Mom, stop. But I just, I think it's, it makes me feel good that I see someone else light up again, lighten their load, brighten their day. I don't know why more people don't do that. Yeah. I, if that, if this is like the one shout out of this conversation, lighten the load, brighten their day. Why don't more people just do that? JD, your example of giving love, I appreciate it for a couple of reasons. One is because I think it's really sweet. (laughs) The cheekbone thing, I think, is, which is kind of an advantage. Really funny. So three things. Two, I like the practicality of it because so often people ask me, especially in a business environment, well, wh- wh- like, what's an example of giving love? And I always turn that question back to them. Mm-hmm. And I say, mm-hmm. what is an example of giving love in your world, in right. your environment? Like, right. And the practicality of the action of giving and giving love by giving that compliment. Here's the third thing that comes to my mind. The third reason that I just think the example is awesome is I bet for, so I'll say for me, there are times that I want to compliment somebody and I don't because I fear, uh, Am I going to embarrass my daughter or what if I overstep with that person? Or what if they think, who am I to compliment them? Mm -hmm. 
So I withhold that love. Mm -hmm. I withhold doing it. Mm -hmm. But if I didn't. Right. I could brighten that day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a choice for you not to withhold that. You think it and you choose to act on it. Yep. Yep. And to me, that is an example of choosing to give all of your love. Right. And it's go on. I'm going to ask you another question. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Go for it. No, keep going. Keep going. What were you going to say? Well, it's just, it's, it's a really funny experience and it's sometimes again, it's gone South because number one, again, if I'm sitting with my, it's always when I'm with my family too, they're like, Oh God. And your sons. Yeah. My God, my sons, my husband. And they literally, the minute I go, Oh my God, check out blah, blah, blah. Isn't her hair beautiful or whatever. And they literally are all like, Oh my God, she's going to do makeup. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. But what, but what I'm realizing as I'm telling you this example, which is interesting Mm -hmm. is of course, note it. And now that I'm realizing it, I never do it with, I never do it to guys. Partially because, again, it can be misconstrued. Yeah. But I right. also believe, and it's never been this much of a conscious thing for me as far as why I do it, it's really to brighten yeah. someone's day. But now that I'm realizing it's always women, again, it could be coming from a place of, I know, with me, with so many, and again, with the industry, with so many women having issues with yes. the aesthetic pieces, right? Um, I'm not, the not enoughs. Right. But I also, the thing that I always make clear when I share this story with anybody, because again, it drives my family crazy, is I don't just, it's not just complimenting for the sake of complimenting. I mean, yeah. it needs to be something that stands out. So there have been times, there was a time a couple of years ago that I went to a group of women and I called out something about one woman, right? And she was very much like, oh my God, did you hear what she said? And it was very mm-hmm. sweet. She gave me a hug. But we walk out of the restaurant and my family was like, great. Now the other four women are like, what's wrong? <laughs> she didn't say anything nice about me. I'm right. like, so then of course you're like, oh no, wait, what have I done? But I'm well, like, well, you yeah. couldn't, but you, but, but it I would be doing against it. Your... it. I was, yeah, exactly. I'm doing it because it stuck out for me. Right. Or it resonated yeah. with me. And again, sometimes it's a laugh. It's, you know, a smile. It's a, yeah. So anyway. Just did. I I think it's awesome. I'm going to ask you one more question before I wrap this up, and I put this in the in the love for sure. This is a part of our our giving love, receiving love. Uh, there are times. Well, there's many, 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 many times that people try to give us their love, and perhaps uh, we don't receive. We choose not to receive at all. Right. Just. Just give me your perspective on the idea of receiving love. And again, not love the emotion, yeah, but love the action from other people. Do you embrace it just as much as giving? I, um, it it is interesting. It's tough for me. Um, Again, not love the emotion is not tough for me, but love the action. So again, for me, that can be, you know, someone complimenting me or, um, Or again, one of my leaders saying, you know, I wouldn't be the leader I am today if it weren't for you. And I'm very big on, oh my gosh, you know, I may have given you tools and support to help you get there, but you're the one that chose to apply them, right? So I'm very leery to take credit because I thoroughly believe that you can train everybody over and over and over. But at the end of the day, it's those that take that training and do something with it that are successful. So they deserve the credit for that, right? So I'm very weird, again, when it comes to compliments. Um, I tend to be like, ah, you know, eh. But I think when it comes to really rich discussions, I mean, obviously with my family that I keep talking about, um, they make it very clear how much they love me and they compliment me and I take it in, right? I think with my direct reports as far as leaders, Mm -hmm. when we've had really, really deep conversations about the business or skills or attributes, um, I've learned to really kind of say, okay, I'm glad I, I'm I'm glad that you feel that I was able to help you with that. Um, you know, rather than arguing all the time and going, oh, that's not me. That was you. Oh my God, you did that. Right. It's like, and I've had a few leaders over the years that have said, stop it. Like, Take the credit. Right? Give. Like, 
Let me give. Right. Exactly. So I think I am, you know, when it comes to those things, I do think I do tend to be a little resistant to receiving it and I can do better with that. So I'll make a two-way commitment with you right now that I'll start to be, yes, yes. And take note of when you do. Right. And take note of when you start feeling like, oh, I can't accept that. Right. And just take note of when you do. Yeah. Because I, it, it is, I appreciate it. I appreciate wh- where you're coming from. I think someone who gives so much like you do, it's not surprising to me that it's, that it's more difficult to receive. Right. But I do believe when you, when we, when we yeah. choose to receive what the other person wants to give, we actually, like, that's a manifestation of love. Right. Because right. Because they feel so filled up and fulfilled by giving. Right. You right. Know? So, yes. yes. Well, Jerry Don, first and foremost, thank you for choosing to show up with me today in the entire spirit of giving all of your love and receiving all of the love that I wanted to give. You're beautiful inside and out. You're amazing. This by far was exactly and more of the conversation that I wanted to bring to my community and my audience. I believe with my whole heart that when we choose to give and receive all of the love we have, that is when we create enduring success and fuel the success of others. And I'm going to plagiarize you when we lighten the load and brighten the day. Yeah. We make a difference in every interaction. Yeah. You made a difference in me. Thank you. Thank you, Trisha. I can't wait. Everyone, this was Trish Kendall and Jerry Don Martell for this episode of the Choose and Become interview series. You can find Jerry Don on LinkedIn. That's where we always find each other. I can't wait to release this episode. Choose and Become. Thank you for joining me for our Choose and Become interview series. You could find this episode and others at trishkendall.com. Just go to trishkendall.com backslash choose dash become dash interview dash series. Or if you have a question or just want to leave a comment, email me trish at trishkendall.com.